Amen. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 1 over in the New Testament. And if you don't have a Bible with you, we'll show it up on the screen here in just a few minutes. Hey, I, I want to mention one or two things quickly. First of all, uh, I'm Pastor Troy. And if you are new with us today, man, I would absolutely love to meet you following the service. Uh, if you can track me down in the lobby or wherever I am and just say, hey, I'm new. You know, because if you don't say that, I'm going to act like you've attended here for the last five years. Because I'd rather err on that side, right? You just need to tell me. But I would absolutely love to meet you. Uh, next Sunday uh, is going to be a special Sunday. That is the 22nd, right? Next Sunday, yeah. Um, it, we're going to baptize some folks. We're going to have just a special time of celebration of what God is doing in our ministries it's going to be a very cool Sunday. Um, by the way, you can still slip in if, if you want to be baptized, and, and I'm not going to explain it all to you right now, but basically if you consider yourself to be a follower of Christ and you have not been baptized, the scripture teaches that, man, you need to be baptized to, as your testimony to the world around you that you have chosen to follow Christ let us know right away. Either let, let them know at the Welcome Center as you leave or contact us first thing Monday morning. Uh, we still can uh, take time to just tell you a little bit about it, what it is, uh, but we would love to do that. Also, I, I want to say, uh, give a special shout out to a group of people I absolutely, dearly love here at New Life, and that is our Legacy Lifers. Our legacy lifers um, are the folks who, you know, they're, you know, empty nesters. Their kids are out of the house, so now they're really enjoying life, and, you know, they're, you know, they're just in that next chapter. And I was able to stop in. They had a big old cookout party thing last night over at Ken Watkins' house, and uh, man, there was a big old group there. And uh, I can just say they really know how to have a good time. And they had more food than you can possibly imagine for that group of people. Uh, but it was awesome. And I, I don't get a normal... You know, we focus a lot on students and, and on kids, and we're always talking about that. But, man, I, just this morning I wanted to say I appreciate you if you are a legacy lifer. We want you. We need you. We need you. We want you. Your wisdom... Um, your life experiences, man, I just, it, just being there last night made me take a minute and go, I, I need to say that. I love you guys. So glad you're here. And uh, so glad you know how to have a good time at a cookout. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, verse 1, in my former book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, verse 3, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but what? Wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit 
Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. There have been many, many great armies, many great military forces throughout history. Uh, there, there have been armies that have conquered nations. There have been armies that have defended nations. There have been military forces that have started or established nations. There have been big armies, small armies, but, but there's always one thing consistent about any good, effective army, and that is they've had a great leader. They were led by somebody who was effective and who was good at leading the people. You know, we could talk about George Washington, um, who led America to victory over the British in the siege of Yorktown, the, the British Army, 1781. And actually, the war went on past that, but that was the point at which it was obvious that we were no longer going to live under British rule. By the way, fun fact, did you know that in college I was not a religion major, I was a history major? Doesn't surprise you, 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 you preach like it. You, 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 you obviously didn't have all the classes. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, I just thought I'd throw that out there. You know, I was, George Washington was this great leader of a great military force. Or we could talk about Red Dawn. I'm a child of the 80s. I was born in 67, but the prime of my teenage years, high school years, was the 80s. And if you're a child of the 80s, you remember the story of the Soviet soldiers who invade this small Colorado town uh, but there were two brothers by the names of Jed and Matt, a.k.a. Patrick Swayze and Charlie Sheen. <laughs> they, they escape with their friends to uh, the forest, and their dad, who is actually a prisoner at this point, they work together and um, going, man, we're going to take back our little town from the Soviets. And as the country comes under increasing an increasing attack, they group up with Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Tanner to take back their town, and they did a great, great job. Child of the 80s. I, you know, I could go on and on, the, the different great military forces, the different great armies. Each one of these leaders have made a great mark in history but I, I want to talk about an army, a military force, that none of these men could defeat. It's the greatest fighting force that was ever established. 
Uh, it was a military force that was put together many, many, many years ago, still exists today. It has won major victories in every nation of our world. Marching under one general, this army continues to move forward and win wherever it goes. And of course, I'm talking about the church. Um, God wants us to know this morning that we, if you are a follower of Christ, you are a part of the greatest fighting force that has ever been established. Matthew 16, 18 says this, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not overcome it. You see, when, when Jesus said that he was going to build his church, um, he, he wasn't talking about a building with four walls at 665 Harcourt Road. He, he wasn't talking about seats or pews or a piano or an organ or a podium. He was talking about establishing a fortress in which followers he wasn't talking about a fortress in which followers could, you know, kind of huddle in, protect ourselves from the world and run away from the forces of evil and Satan. When Jesus said that he was going to build his church and the gates of hell itself would not overpower it, he was talking about a fighting force that was so strong that nothing, including hell itself, could stop it. And he began this army with 12 men. If you know any of the history, you know that one of the men deserted him. But now, this army has not been stopped. Now, today, literally, numbers in the millions of people all over America, all over the world, who this morning, based on their time zones, are, are worshiping in church and living life for the glory of God and are a part of this military force. But the question is, is this really how we see ourselves? Do we see ourselves as a military force that is the greatest army in the history of humanity that cannot be stopped by hell itself? Do we see ourselves as coming within these four walls on a Sunday morning or during a life group or kid life or whatever, not to run away from evil, but do we see this as a time where we come together and go, okay, how are we going to do it this week? We need to be empowered. You see, because in many respects, the church has lost sight of who we are. The church has lost sight in what we're supposed to be doing. And by the way, this would be a great place to mention our, our New Life mission statement, which is simply this, doing good and sharing the hope of new life. Do we see ourselves as a fighting force, a, a military force that's on a mission to do good? In other words, Jesus very clearly teaches in Scripture, hey, do good, give a cup of water to the thirsty, visit those who are in prison, you know, whatever the list goes on with our community to our, our, our world, do good. But it's more than simply doing good. It's about sharing the hope of new life that can be found in Jesus Christ. There's this eternal element to it, which is important, the most important part of it, right? Do we see ourselves as being on that mission? 
In fact, one of the core values of the Church of the Nazarene, the general denomination, is we are missional. We're the army of the Lord whose job it is to storm the gates of hell. Is this really how we see ourselves? Because you got to be honest when you ask the question, how does the world see us? What do people who have no association to church or to Jesus Christ, how, how do they see us? Um, they, they see us as a country club. They see us as a place, church is just a place we go to every Sunday, a place where we gather with people of similar interests and we go to do our thing. They see us as a group of people who they're not sure what we do. All they think is that what we're doing and how we're living is completely irrelevant to their lives, right? But we're an army. We gather every Sunday in the war room to talk about military operations how are we going to move the kingdom of God forward? We come to the war room to be empowered, right? We train our soldiers. We help the wounded and encourage each other for the task that is at hand. And the battleground on which we fight is our world. Satan and his forces are the enemy. The war is being fought for the souls of men and women and boys and girls. Do we really believe that? Because if we don't really buy into that, we are not going to be effective. And so the question is, if we're an army, what are the orders we're supposed to be following? I, I want to mention two orders that God has given us. And the first orders, if you go back to verses 4 and 5, is this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, talking about Jesus, gave his disciples this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but what? But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the first order that Jesus gives is to wait. He told them, go to Jerusalem and wait. They were to wait for what? Not just wait for anything, to wait for nothing. They were to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. They, they were, there, there was to be no fighting. There was to be no warfare until they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. They were to wait. In other words, they were to prepare. You know, just stop. Take time to prepare for what you're about to do. Um, they were to wait. They were to get resourced, right, as they waited in Jerusalem. They were to, as in a sense, get fueled up for what was ahead of them, right? They were to get gassed up, man, for this, this journey they're about to take. Jesus says, wait. It, it makes me think. The last couple days, Chris and I have been in Cincinnati with Cody and them. My son, Cody, pastors a church down there in Norwood, and uh, they were putting on an event Friday night, a, a community block party, and, and they, you know, Cody and Caleb were working hard to plan this thing and do this, and, and so me and Krista went down and, and just said, hey, we want to help any way we can, et cetera, et cetera, and it went great. And so the plan was for me um, to come back yesterday and I was going to come back in time to hang out with the legacy lifers at their cookout and then of course be here to preach this morning Krista was going 
um, to go to church with Cody and them this morning down there in Norwood. And then she would bring Kayla back, my youngest son, who's been in an internship down there. And she was just going to bring him back in her car. So I got the opportunity to drive my youngest son's car back, who's a college student at MNU, to drive his car back, which is a pile of junk. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, you know, I start off with about a half tank of gas, right? And I am whipping up 71, and I'm excited. Can I just tell you how much I love grilled hot dogs? I was on my way to a cookout. I was pumped. And man, I just, I was cruising up 71, and then about the time I got past Polaris on 71, just north of Columbus there, all of a sudden my steering feels funny, my air conditioning goes off, everything starts to go weird, and all of a sudden, within seconds, I realize I'm out of gas. And so, not my first rodeo, I've driven junk all my life, I know how to do this. So, um, I, I coast as far as I can up the side of the highway thinking, you know, just kind of thinking, hey, is there an exit, is there whatever, and I just get as, there's nothing, so I just get as far as I can, and, um, and I pull off the side of the highway, and I'm sitting there, and I, I think what had happened, I'm smart enough not to run out of gas, but I think what had happened is that Caleb's gas light dinger thing, he doesn't work because his car is junk. And it wasn't that I couldn't hear it over his car stereo because neither does his car stereo work. So it wasn't that I had the stereo too loud. Well, fortunately, that's pretty close to my dad's house. So, you know, 45 minutes, an hour later, my dad shows up and he has this can of gasoline. And um, it, it's one of these fancy cans. So it has a little thing on there that you got to kind of push as you tip it over and put it in the mower, right, or whatever. And they're always kind of a little hard to work and figure out on top of that, the gas can is like a 20-gallon gas can. And I'm standing like this. The, the gas tank is on the side of the road where Dell Jr. is whipping by at 180 miles an hour in a semi. And by the time I get the gas, in there, I mean, there's just gas everywhere. If anyone would have thrown a cigarette within 20 yards of where we were standing, it would have been a bad situation. But it, it, it illustrates this point that I didn't take the time to get fueled up for the trip. I, I didn't take the time to be patient and wait and go to a gas station from the get-go, right? I didn't take time to be resourced or prepared for this trip. Fortunately, I still got my hot dog. And I got some incredible deviled eggs. Wow, I love a good deviled egg. But this is the reason that so many Christian casualties happen today due to spiritual warfare. Many of us have tried to go into battle with, you know, prior to the power of God, prior to waiting, prior for the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I mean, think about it. These men to whom Jesus was speaking, they were already well-trained soldiers. They had spent the last three and a half years basically in boot camp preparing for war. They had even fought some skirmishes under the direct guidance of Jesus himself. These were his disciples. 
But as Jesus prepares to leave, he instructs these guys, hey, you need to wait. You need to get prepped. You need to get fueled up. You need to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. So here's my question. If these men who were personally led and trained by Jesus himself had to wait and be empowered, how much more do we need to wait? How often do we find ourselves running ahead of God, trying to win a battle before we have the power to fight? Let me tell you something. What it takes us two years to accomplish, the Holy Spirit of God can accomplish within moments if we're empowered. You know, we have this desire to always run ahead, to always be doing. We want to have quality programming. We want to have a quality praise team. We want to have a quality preaching and parking team and programming for all age groups. Listen, everything I just mentioned, we can do without the help of the Holy Spirit. We can have great singers up here. We can have someone stand up here and share good stories. We can have an entertaining children's program, right? Without the help of the Holy Spirit. But the second we try it without the power of the Holy Spirit, we have missed it. So Jesus says, Troy, you guys got to wait. Just wait. Just wait. Wait for his power. You've heard me say it before. I've said it for years. I want things to happen in and through the ministry of new life that can only be blamed on the power of God. It cannot be blamed on having enough money. It cannot be blamed on having great uh, leadership team that makes great decisions, that things that only happen that can be blamed on the power of God. You know, I want to see people healed emotionally, physically, spiritually. I want to see people making decisions to follow Christ that you never thought in a million years would make that decision. I I want us to be a church that not only has the form of godliness, but the power thereof. You will have victory, but first you must wait. Wait like Moses did as he was in the wilderness for 40 years learning to trust God. Wait like Paul did as he spent three years prior to starting his ministry. Wait like, like, like Jesus did in the wilderness for 40 days before he started his ministry. Just wait. Pray. Read God's word. Invite the Holy Spirit to come and empower you. Just wait. That's the first order. Well, the second order is found in verses 7 and 8, which says this. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the second order that Jesus gives is this, witness. Yes, wait, wait to be empowered, but then witness. In other words, Jesus said, to stay in Jerusalem until you are fueled up, stay in Jerusalem until you have the power to do what God is calling you to do, and then attack. Too often, our interpretation of this is as follows. Stay in Jerusalem, build this large structure, purchase chairs, pianos, organ, all this stuff, preach and pray, and this will attract everyone from Judea and Samaria and Fredericktown and Mount Vernon and Apple Valley. No. 
That's not what Jesus said. He said that we're to be his witnesses. We are to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and everywhere on earth. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 says this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We are to go. Remember, I, I think it was last week I talked about this. You know, God's will isn't always easy, but it's not complicated. We're to go. You don't spell go, S-I-N-G. Remember, I talked about that last week. You don't spell go, P-R-E-A-C-H. You, you don't spell go, G-I-V-E. You spell go, go, G-O, go. We're to be an army attacking the enemy in his strongholds. Jesus envisioned a force moving into the world for the sake of men and women and boys and girls and fighting on their behalf and stealing them out of the hands of Satan. He told Peter and others that when we do this, that when we wait but then go, not even the gates of hell can, can stop us. We're to go. One way, let me get very practical for just a moment, and then, then I'll get back into the sermon. One way we're going to go is through what we've been talking about over the last number of weeks, Life Fest. You've heard us talking about Life Fest, right? And um, Life Fest is a very practical way. Two of our core values are these. Two of the core values, people are our passion, Right? Serving is our lifestyle. And so one of the very practical ways we're going to go is we're going to have Life Fest, first time we've ever done this, which is an, going to be an all-community event put on by us over at Hiawatha Park. I think of it as a way to appreciate our community, to love on our community, to maybe build some relationships with our community, et cetera, et cetera. But this is one very... Ryan, come up here a second. I want you... He does better at this. I'm going to have Ryan take two minutes three minutes, and tell us about this because I don't want to just preach to you about the all-to. Here's some of the how-to, how we're actually going to do this. So take, take a couple minutes. Tell us about this. Absolutely. And just like Troy said, I mean, we are really excited about this event as a staff. Um, but as he's been saying, I'm just repeating what you say because it's really important. It's not just because it's going to be a lot of fun. It is. We're going to have bounce houses and kids games and, uh, you know, sport activities, all kinds of fun things. My personal favorite, we're going to have food trucks. So, I mean, it's going to be a great event, but at its very core, the goal behind this is that we want to be able to demonstrate the heart of our church, the heart of our people here, and ultimately God's love for our community. But the biggest thing is we, we can't do that alone. We decided yeah. really early on in our conversations that this wasn't just one department's event or even an all-staff event. This is yeah. an all-church, all-hands-on-deck event. And so we need you guys to serve in every role from manning a kid's game to helping with food to, you know, just welcoming people who are coming in. And so we wanted to make sure that you knew all the different ways that you can do that. And first, I know there's probably at least two different types of people in this room. 
Uh, you guys have heard of the 80-20 rule, that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Mm -hmm. And I know from meeting many of you that there's a lot of you that do a lot of things here at New Life. Probably spend more days here than you don't uh, throughout your week. But yeah. we're asking you just to take this extra day, this extra hour and a half just to come out and love on our community. Now, another group that I think that this event is awesome for is maybe you haven't had a lot of time to volunteer here at New Life. Uh, maybe schedule or family or for whatever, whatever reason, you haven't been able to give each week of your time in any one particular way. This is literally a one-day, hour-and-a-half event. Uh, we've we've programmed it because we don't want you to spend the whole event volunteering. We want you to take an hour-and-a-half to volunteer and an hour-and-a-half to just enjoy it with your family. But this is a great opportunity, maybe if you don't have time consistently, to come and, again, just be a demonstration of God's love to our community. So we're really excited about a couple ways that you can sign up. Uh, Church Center app, we have it on there. It's under events and sign-ups. And then also we have our kiosks in the back. If you exit here on your right, you can sign up. And I'll tell you this, if you can't find a way to sign up or you're having trouble, come see me, come see one of our staff. Uh, we would love to share all the different ways that you can get involved. So we're really excited to partner with you guys uh, for this event. Amen. Thanks, Ryan. Let's give Ryan a round of applause. See what we did there? You didn't walk in just to hear about what you ought to do. This is the command center. We just had General Ryan come up and share marching orders as to how we can practically share, or do good and share hope. Over the years, I've gathered sermon illustrations, maybe from reading something, maybe from hearing another preacher, maybe from listening to a podcast or whatever, but as soon as I hear something that I think, man, that could be good, a good part of the sermon, I have a Word document on my computer that just says sermon illustrations. Most of them are funny. Uh, I love humor, and that's how my humor stays on point each Sunday, just stays fresh. Um, but some of them are, are serious illustrations. This, this is one of them that I've saved from I don't know where, how long ago. It, it comes from an un unstoppable force daring to become the church that God had in mind by Erwin McManus. I, I want to read this excerpt to you. Here it is. If we were predicting the future health and viability of a nation, and we could see that for every hundred adults, only one new baby was born, we would know that we were committing a national or ethnic suicide. We know from basic arithmetic that to maintain the population, you must be able to at least replace yourself. To increase a population, you must not only replace yourself, but also add at least one. While the human population has gone far beyond this minimal growth, the American church has not in any way maintained pace with the explosion of humanity. The friction is that the church in America has been declining while the world around us has been increasing. While there are growing churches, it would be difficult to describe the American church as thriving. The friction is that our strategies for incremental growth are inadequate for a time of exponential growth. But the traction of this population explosion can be tremendous. We live in a unique time of human expansion 
most likely the human population will never again grow at so fast a rate and certainly never before has this phenomenon taken place. Those of us who live in this window of history must consider ourselves uniquely appointed by God. God chooses not only the places but also the times in which we live. He has privileged us to live not only in the greatest expansion of human population, but also with the greatest opportunity for the spread of the gospel. I am convinced and inspired that God would not allow us, I, I love this, listen to this, I am convinced and inspired that God would not allow us to live in a time of such great opportunity if he did not have on his heart the desire to pour out the greatest movement of his spirit in human history. He goes on to say, we must take the friction of this massive challenge and create traction. We must consider strategies for incremental or nominal growth as inadequate, and we must re-examine our assumptions of how the Spirit of God desires to work through the church. We must not be dissatisfied, or we must not be satisfied until we enter into an explosion of global transformation that matches the challenge that has been entrusted to us. In short, we've got a job to do, right? We're, we're not here in church on a Sunday morning just to kind of check it off the list and, oh, okay, we did church, okay, we took the kids to soccer practice, okay, we went to work. We, no, we don't come to church. We are the church. I've said that for many years. Say it with me. We don't come to church. We are the church. We're on a mission and nothing can stop us. Lord, I just pray this morning that you would help us to really grasp what that means. Lord, you have entrusted everyone sitting in this room or under the sound of my voice on, on the internet, you have entrusted us with a great responsibility and we know, God, that what you have called us to, you will provide the fuel, the power, the gas, to get this done. Lord, may we be that church. God, help us not be the church that is satisfied with status quo, but may we be the church that truly lives by the fact that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, and you have commissioned us as your military force to go out and redeem a world from hell and to, to save through the power of your spirit, through the name of Jesus, to, to point people to you. Lord, may that be who we are. May we be so passionate. Just like the bones we're about to sing about that were brought back to life. God, do this in us. Do this in us. May we be your people. Worship with us this morning.
disappointment The Sunday's empty tomb Since when has it possible Ever stopped you This is sound This is the sound of the dry bones This is the place make a dead man walk again